Ace's the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. I said I wanted to do a podcast after the Warriors win against the Kings, and I definitely did so. The Warriors won 114 to 100, comfortable win at Oracle, got all the way down to 12 late, so Kerr brought Stephen Curry back in. And we were talking about it post game. Anthony Slater and I did a crossover episode. This is Locked on Warriors and All 82, and it was a lot of fun to talk with him. Of course, he's also the beat writer for the San Jose Mercury News, Barry News Group, and love talking with him. We talked not only about this game, but really about what we're looking forward to over the next few days, because the Warriors have this really nice stretch of four games coming up. So we go through both sort of things because we didn't want to talk that much about this game. So I hope you enjoy it. It was a fun conversation. Crossover edition, Danny and LaRue, Lockdown Warriors. Um, I just, you know, I figured I wanted to have you on for a big game. So I picked, you know, the NorCal Showdown, Kings Warriors. This is a, it was another thriller in the in this rivalry, which uh, I was going to say that it was going to be the Warriors. What about sixteenth in a row? But the Kings actually got them in Sacramento this year. Yeah, I believe this was their eighth straight win at Oracle over the Kings. But the overall number is, I think, now two because of that game, that really weird game at the Golden One Center where Kerr got tossed and the Warriors lost. That was a fun game. I I was really rooting it for Mike Brown in that game to drop like some kind of you know great you know genius uh lob play to to win it at the end of regulation just because Kerr had been a toss but uh DeMarcus Cousins was in that game he was clearly not in the one tonight and the Kings rested everyone and didn't quite you know make national headlines like the Clippers and or I mean like the Cavs and Warriors doing it the, the Kings rested who Tyreek Evans tonight Tolliver somebody else that Darren Collison they just threw out they threw out basically a D-League lineup tonight I mean Ty Lawson actually played pretty well. And honestly, the Warriors did not play that well tonight, um, but they slogged their way, passed their way, really, because I thought they passed it well, but they didn't defend that well. And uh, won by what, 14, 114, 100? Yeah, 114-100. I think that what the story kind of when you have these games, which you know, early in the season, you have schedule losses and schedule wins, you know, the other side of that when the other team's on a back-to-back or something like that. And then you have later in the season, you have these kind of situational wins. And it happens where a team just sits all their guys against you. The Warriors actually had one earlier in the season against the Mavericks when the Mavericks just came to Oracle and sat everybody. But those games happen, and really what you have to do, and the Warriors kind of did this, I'm not sure if it was on purpose, is you don't want to turn the ball over, you want to try at least a little bit on defense, and then you want to score in transition, and then at some point the other team's just going to fall apart. And that's really what happened to Sacramento a little bit in the first and then really in that third quarter when the Warriors just went off. 31 uh, fast break points. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned the fast break points. It was just one of those uh, sprint ahead and then kind of just ping pong, you know, the lead from 22 to 10, you know, a back and forth, basically. Um, I was surprised Curry actually did have to play the, the fourth quarter. They were up 20 at the end of the third, um, but I think it got down to 12 with the, at about the six-minute mark. So he played about three fourth-quarter minutes. He was on the string. I thought it was going to be five straight, uh, no fourth quarters for Curry, which would have basically saved him 30 minutes of, of fourth-quarter playing time over the last five games. Which, you know, those, those, that's important when you know, people are talking about will he rest 
uh, you know, in this upcoming Houston San Antonio back to back. Well, he basically has gotten a full game of rest the last uh, week or so. Right, that's a really good point. I mean, in this game, Curry and Draymond played mid thirties, and then everybody else was under thirty. Iguodala was a little bit lower at twenty six than what he's been during the Durant time, and and as you said, that's an important element of this kind of end of the season is when a team gives you that advantage to take it to use it, you know, to to get those guys. But there is this running storyline that Kerr does not trust backup heavy units to hold a lead. And that was true at the beginning of the fourth quarter when Draymond and Clay were in, which they usually are to to kind of go into the fourth quarter, even up 20. And then when they cut it to 12, bringing Curry back in. And it's not my favorite thing in the world. I've been very critical of it in the past and it still am just because the risk of injury, but that's just what Kerr is. And, you know, maybe it's that game he got burned against the Suns his first year as a coach, but he just doesn't trust going to those lineups and just taking the air out of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think one good thing is, like, you can just feel when, when minutes are heavy on guys and, and when minutes are light. Like, all the minutes tonight on all the guys uh, were, were, were just easy, easy-flowing minutes where everyone was passing and, you know, the Kings were never a threat. Like, like you think about how big a difference 10 minutes in a game like this is than the 10 overtime minutes they played against Houston early in the season in that double overtime game where it's just like every possession they're, they're locked in defensively and they're, you know, they're, they're grinding. Um, so I just, for them to have five straight blowouts um, as this season enters its final stretch, which includes look six out of their last seven are at home. Um, obviously they do have the Chiefs in San Antonio back to back, but I mean, they're in such a good place right now. You know, they're going to practice Saturday. They got the early tip Sunday. They won't practice Monday. Um, and just, you can just feel this team in a, in a good place where there was so much complaining about that, that eight game, 13 day trip. Uh, but the truth is it paid off for them. Now they're sitting there. They had 11 of their last 16 at home. They just feel so rested. Kevin Durant every day is making strides. He seems they somewhat near a return, uh, that I actually think the NBA did him a favor by, by giving them this runway to the playoffs at home. I agree with you. And it was tough to, you know, a little bit more of a stagger, like a two or three game home stretch in that eight game craziness would have certainly helped. But it also gave them a degree of battle testing. Yeah, they lost a bunch of those games. But if they end up getting the one seed, they're not really worse for wear other than Durant's injury, which wasn't caused by that. And it helped kind of galvanize them and also give them an understanding of exactly where they needed to be. And, you know, of course it changes it if they end up being the two seed and then, you know, who, who knows who the seven's going to be. But at this point, it, it seems like they're coming out of it relatively clear at the same point. I'm going to be very interested to see how they start and how they finish the game against Memphis, because we're in this, it's the beginning of this big four game stretch where we're, we're going to get a very clear sense of where, the rest of the regular season is going because the Warriors have Memphis, then they have Houston at Houston, then at San Antonio, then home against Houston. If they win three or more of those games, they're probably set for the one seed, even if that loss is to the Spurs. Yeah, and I mean, to flip that, if they win three out of four and one of those wins is against the Spurs, I mean, that really uh, should vault them because, you know, San Antonio is not going to chase. They do keep kind of piling up the wins, but what is that? I think it's two and a half game lead after tonight's win for the Warriors. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a good time for them to get this stretch because, look, they're on the six-game winning streak that includes five straight blowouts, but Sixers, Magic, Bucks. You know, Thunder was a good win, but they kind of just have the Thunder number. Mavericks, okay, they're, like, not even the playoff team. Kings tonight, who, you know, are D-League at this point. Um, so they haven't played anyone. So I'm excited to see 
Grizzlies, Rockets twice, especially the Rockets, because, um, you know, they played, what, two times this season. One was Rockets came into Oracle, got that double overtime win. Um, a good win by the Warriors in, in Houston, but, you know, there's a possibility down the line, whether it's the West Finals or if they're the two seed, the second round, like, we, I want to get a better feel for that match, like with the, you know, the, the, the three point barrage coming from Houston. So, uh, this will be fun. Uh, this could be potential playoff previews in these next, uh, four games. Right. And also, it's just a test to see how the Warriors with Durant look against teams that can have a good shot of beating them. I mean, the Mavericks and the and Thunder have played well at moments, but those aren't really the right squads to do this. Memphis has already beaten the Warriors twice. Houston's already beaten the Warriors once. The Spurs have already beaten the real Warriors once and the garbage Warriors once. And we, we get a sense of that. I mean, so whether they win a bunch of them, they lose a bunch of them, we will get an answer to a question that we legitimately haven't known yet. And considering we're 70 games in, actually, I think it's 72 after tonight, 72 games into the regular season, being able to answer questions is actually exciting. Yeah. And uh, like you said, the, the path will be laid out. Uh, really, you know, it could be laid out after these next three games where if they can get the Grizzlies at home, uh, and they can win one of those two in Houston and San Antonio, or both of those two, and really get a cushion uh, for that one seed, well, then that's when they come home for six of their final seven, and that can be rest for the main guys, and potentially the way I keep seeing Kevin Durant move along, I saw him dunk pregame today and come down on that knee, like, that could be, a, what, maybe a four-game runway for him to, to play 15 minutes, then 20, then 25, as they uh, try to work him back for uh, the, the lineup for, for the first round. Right, and something to consider with the Spurs, you talked about how they're not necessarily a great chase team, is that San Antonio, one of the characteristics of them this year, and I I think this was true last year too, is that while they've been excellent, they're an incredible regular season team, they don't go on these really long win streaks. They usually win like five or six in a row, and then they lose one game close, and then they win another seven in a row, and then they do that. But considering that they're already coming into this with a little bit of a run, because they've already won three, like... They're going to drop a game at some point during this, and then that that even alone might give the Warriors enough of a margin if they can come out of this four-game stretch. Even if it's 2-2, two and two, I think they still have a decent shot. Yeah. Do you think uh, either team will rest in San Antonio on, uh, what is that, Wednesday? I think there's a chance that... I don't think there's... If the Spurs are fine, I don't think there's much of a chance for that because they won't be on it back-to-back. But for the Warriors, if they go... 2-0 and in the games before then maybe 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 but I don't think there's much of like a head game issue here where you know like oh you need to make sure that you get a win in San Antonio I mean the Warriors last year when they were on their way no. to, to 73 they won the first game that any road team won in San Antonio all year so I don't think they have any doubt about the capability of doing that and the rest I mean that's really I, I in terms of the back-to-backs that really matter that's their last one of the year they have time off i think they have they have a just travel day before the game in houston but then the only other back-to-back they have this year they go to phoenix and i'm i'm guessing phoenix isn't going to want to win that game anyway you know maybe devin booker will try to go for 70 again but i don't think that they're going to really put their all into winning that game so the warriors can rest their guys then yeah which honestly that to me is maybe the most restable game on uh, the rest of the season. If, if they do, especially if they get that cushion that we're talking about, because like I said, six of the last seven at home, maybe you don't even send Draymond and, and Curry and, and Thompson to Phoenix. And then guess what? They don't get on the plane from, I think it's something like March 30th through the first two games of the first round, which will obviously be at home. So, I mean, if you don't send them to Phoenix, I mean, they'll literally just be in the Bay area resting up playing, you know, maybe spotty minutes the last few games. 
uh, as they lead into that first round against well, Denver, Portland, whoever. So um, important four games, and really, like you said, it's, it's going to lay out the path of the season. You want to talk a little bit more about the game tonight? I just yeah, let's, let, let's do it. I mean, I think that the biggest takeaway for me was that Curry, he looked more comfortable taking his shot. So, you know, it was this wasn't a game where Curry was, you know, killing the Kings off the dribble. He ended 5 of 11 from 3, but he was hitting catch-and-shoot threes pretty reliably, and that's enough. You know, it's still not 2015-16 unanimous MVP Curry, but he looked comfortable out there, and he was passing the ball very well. Yeah, um, so to me, uh, I think they finished with 36 assists on, you know, 44 field goal, something like that. They had 20 out of their first 22 were assisted. Uh, 44th time this season they've had over 30 assists, which is a franchise record. Um, and this was the first game. I mean, they pass well every game, but this game particularly, it was kind of popping in your eyes. Like, wow, they're really passing it well. So my one question to you, what was your favorite pass of the game for the Warriors? Because there were some highlights. I think it was, was it the first or the second pass that Zaza threw to Draymond that was just completely ridiculous? And it uh, the, rem- the one where he's bumbling in and like flung it. Yeah, basically. The and I, I that think, was the first one. Yeah, that was the first one. So I, I think it was that one just because it was, it was so ridiculous. And it reminded me of how funny it is for me. Draymond, it seems like still he doesn't feel comfortable passing the ball to Zaza in the interior because he blows so many layups and fumbles so many passes that maybe they should just start doing it the other way and just have Zaza passing it to Draymond more. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and then he dined him up, like you said, on the next possession with like, cross court he's an underrated passer he is not an underrated finisher for sure but an underrated passer um my favorite it's it's between two um i actually really like the livingston first quarter lefty behind the back he was kind of looking off that was nice that was a really slick one um that was the slickest and then my favorite though probably is the curry uh baseball or football pass whatever you want to call it the, the heave he gets a steal throws it you know 90 feet basically on a on a point, right? See, Iguodala, who had this, like, kind of awkward, backward spinning layup. Um, and then Curry, I thought, had a pretty good quote about it post-game saying, basically, um, yeah, if that didn't land in Iguodala's hands, I'm not looking over at Steve Kerr because everyone kind of knows what Kerr thinks about those type of passes. So a uh, good, very good passing game, and that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, it was also funny. There was a second one. I think it was at the end of the second or third quarter. I think it was the third quarter where Matt Barnes basically just leaked out with – three seconds to go and what you what I realized is there wasn't much he was going to do defensively anyway so he just created an opportunity I think it was Curry that time too just chucked the ball down to him and he got got a layup or a dunk almost as time expired yeah for sure all right anything else pop out or uh wasn't exactly a game flooded with storylines no, I, I thought that McCall looked okay out there. You know, he looked reasonably comfortable, which is really all you're asking. Like, I, I think that was something that I know I started noticing more, especially when Cork took that spot on the second unit. Is like really what the Warriors need for Barnes and for Mac and for McCaw, not McAdoo. Barnes McCaw is just kind of stay in their lane, don't make any mistakes, and and try. And I think they've both gotten a lot more comfortable at doing that. Just that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pop at the end of uh, my version of the podcast, Steve Kerr, and then I think I'm going to put David West and, and maybe Curry for soundbites because David West and I had his first podium game that I can remember at home. He played pretty well, and uh, not that I needed reinforcement, but it was definitely reinforced tonight. That David West is not a guy to mess with. Uh, his <laughs> somebody asked him post game about you know Draymond said he was an OBS kind of guy. Uh, David West was like, yeah, some people say I'm a little too serious, but you know I just I don't care. <laughs> and just like the way people will hear it in the press conference, but David West is just 
That is that is the, the definition of a no-nonsense dude. Absolutely. Thanks again to Anthony Slater for taking the time to come on. You can read him at the San Jose Mercury News, Barry News Group. You can also listen to the Warriors All-82 podcast, and you can check him out on Twitter, Anthony V. Slater. That's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-V-S-L-A-T-E-R. Talented guy. Love talking with him. We got along a little bit back when he was working for the Oklahoman and have enjoyed having him around this year and his perspective, even if he gave me crap because you silly lost today and... I was not happy about that, though. You know, it's what happens. So going to take, obviously, take tomorrow off and then have another podcast Sunday night, Monday morning about Warriors Grizzlies, one of the more interesting games of the last probably two months, maybe even longer than that, especially considering that Spurs game ended up being backups. So that'll be exciting to see. And if you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, and different, Danny LaRue NBA at gmail.com at Danny LaRue on Twitter. And we'll keep on trucking along and do that. And then, you know, it's going to be a, a, a fascinating week of Warriors basketball. So we'll look forward to sharing all that and have a couple of different things in the line for the days that there are not games as well. So you can look forward to that too. So if you want to support the show, leave a rating, leave a review on the podcast player of your choosing, really. And then also you can subscribe, download every episode. It's a great thing to do, especially when we do an unusual episode like this on a Friday night. So if you haven't also checked it out, I was going to edit, but also if you haven't listened to the to the Reddit mailbags that were done this week, a lot of different varied questions, a lot of things I get asked all the time, which is part of the reason I love doing mailbags is because it's a way of catching a lot of questions that, that different listeners and Warriors fans have. So you can check those out and then, you know, all the other stuff that, that's coming out. Did a Real Jam Radio with Arturo Galetti, where we talked a fair amount about the Warriors. That is on Real Jam Radio. It was the Arturo Galetti West Over Under episode, so you can check that out as well. But that's enough rambling, so thank you so much for listening. Take care, and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.